Jess and I, that's our daughter Lani and then our son Josiah is over there. We have had them since they were born and <laughs> we've never parented the same in any way. You might have had this in your relationship where one person cares for the safety of the children and the other one's the loose cannon. And the one who cares for the safety of the children gets, you know, sometimes unfairly called the helicopter parent and then the other one is a bit of the loose cannon. And, and so not only did we have one of those people in our relationship and uh, the other person as well, our friends Beck and Andy did too. And our daughters are really similar in age, so they were babies together. And so we'd go to the park and Beck and I... So Beck and Andy are the other couple, me and Jess are this couple. Beck and I would take care of the children. So like if there was a ledge that they were going to fall off, we'd stop them from falling off the ledge. And um, if there was like, I don't know, if we were at home and there was a light socket and the kids went to shove something in the light socket, we'd say, you shouldn't shove something into the light socket. We had this like opinion that children should like survive. Whereas Jess and Andy on the other side were more like, no, they'll just figure it out. You've got to just kind of let them do their thing. So they'd, have, they'd be pushing the kids on the swing and another kid would walk behind the swing and just get nailed. And the kid on the swing and the kid who's hit the floor um, get hurt, right? And why'd you do that? Because they've got to figure it out. They've got to learn. You know, Lani's got a little scar on her head here. No, it's mum's fault. Because <laughs> when the pews were here, she was playing over the pews. And I'm like, she shouldn't play over the pews. Jess is like, she's got to learn. Next second crack on the pew, now she's got a scar forever. I survived. You survived. <laughs> now who, honesty poll, helicopter, loose cannon. Who's the helicopter like me? Who was that person who like didn't want the kids to get scars? So, yeah, you're the good one. Okay. <laughs> Who's on the other side? The uh, let them figure it out. I, I'm not surprised. I see some of those hands. I'm not surprised that you got. <laughs> oh, I love it. The kids are pulling up Martha's arm. Yep. Looks like. Um. Now I, I think, and I hate to admit this, but I probably went too far in not letting the kids figure stuff out because I just didn't want them to get hurt. But it stops them sometimes from like acquiring the skills to be able to handle stuff. Hey, you know, that's one thing you loose cannon parents have is that you tend to train children who are a bit independent, you know, and learn consequences and work stuff out. It's about working stuff out. A lot of the things we do in life, we just kind of figure out, don't we? We've got to work it out. Well, I actually think there's some things in Christianity similar to that concept that we really have to work out. We have to figure some stuff out and we have to potentially learn the hard way and get uh, maybe a few injuries along the way. But there are some things that if we don't work out, we're going to be stunted in our growth as Christians. We're going to be held back as Christians. We've got to work some stuff out. And in particular, this verse has been in my head for this week and last week. Um, if you could bring it up, please, um, you know, it's a verse from Philippians. Can you guys see that? Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13. I'll get out of your way. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation 
with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in accordance to fulfill his good purposes. It's one of the only times in the Bible where, where, where the command from Paul is to, you've got to work something out here. And it says, work out your salvation. Now, straight away, you might be thinking, wait a second, I know about my salvation, I'm saved, you know. And, and we use the phrase salvation in churches in all different ways, you know. Or even in pop culture, you'll hear someone say something like, oh, that was my salvation. Or, you know, um, he achieved salvation or redemption or, you know, or that person. You know, there, there's, there's all different ways we use the word salvation. But Scripture uses it in a particular way and in a way that as Christian people, we need to work this stuff out. Now, I don't want anyone who's been around Christianity for a long time to switch off here thinking, no, I know this stuff. Because I've been around Christianity for a long time too, just like you guys. And as I was looking at this this week, I'm like, man, I've got to keep working this out. It's not something you work out once. It's something you work out and then you work out again and then you work it out again. It's your salvation. Okay. Now, next slide, please. But you might not know this or you may know this, but when Paul talks about salvation in particular, he speaks about it in three tenses. Did you know this? He speaks about it in the past tenses and you have been saved. You know, your salvation, your you know, your justification when you get set free. He talks about in the past you have been saved. And then he talks about the fact that you are being saved presently. That the part of your sanctification is happening now. You're presently working out your salvation as well. And then you're also, you will be saved in the future. Now don't get confused here, but that's the, Paul uses all the different tenses when he's talking about salvation. He says, you've got to work some stuff out here. And I think we do have to work some stuff out here. We need to sit in this and, and think about it and work out our salvation. So let's start at the start talking about the fact that we have been saved. Salvation at the cross with Jesus Christ. You know, if you've come to a place where you put your faith in Jesus for reconciliation to God... If you've come to a place where, you know, you have said to Christ, you know what, your ways are higher than my ways. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm going to live for you. If you've done that, you have been set free. Okay, in the past, you have been saved. You've been made right. You've been justified. You know, it's the first step of salvation. I mean, there's the steps leading up to salvation. But when you have been saved as in the past... You, you, you're, you're then designated a new person. It says in the Bible that you're a new creation, that the old has passed and the new has come. That you're not actually the same as you were yesterday. You're brand new. When Jesus is having this chat with Nicodemus, Nicodemus is figuring, trying to figure it out. He's like, what do you mean born again? Like, am I supposed to like crawl back into my mother's womb? Which is like funny or disgusting, depending on your um, sense of humor, you know. And and Jesus is like, no, 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 it's not like that. It's a spiritual rebirth, and you become a new person. Now you might be like, yeah, Dave, I know that, but do we live like that? Do we live like we are brand new creations that we have been set free, and that there's nothing we do now? That puts a barrier between us and God for salvation. I'll get to the relationship soon, but 
If you have been saved, you are completely free. You are a new creation. You don't live how you used to live. Thinking about a butterfly this week, okay? I don't often use animal analogies, so eat this one up because it may not be another one for a very long time. You think of a caterpillar, right? It's worming along. Just being a caterpillar, a lowly little nothing. And then it goes through a transformation process and becomes this beautiful new creation, right? It's completely different in nature than it used to be. It's completely different in action and appearance. It's this whole new creation. Could you imagine how crazy it would be if that caterpillar then started behaving like a slug once again? Like hanging out with the other slugs, trying to do the worm, you know, like just chilling with the other slugs, hanging down lowly, not using its wings. You'd go... Butterfly, you've got a better life than this, right? You'd be, you'd be like, that's weird. Sometimes as Christians, we are like the slugs who become butterflies and live like slugs again. Because we don't rest in the fact that we have been saved. Like, completely saved. You don't have a debt against God if you've given your life to him. Like, at all. Do you understand? Like, it's, a, it's gone. You're a new creation. That old person doesn't even exist anymore. So I think we can work it out and we can process it. But my question is, do you live like you're set free? Do you live like you have been saved? Paul deals with this a lot. He talks to the Galatian church because what they did is they got free and then they started implementing all these Judaistic principles again that they used to practice before they got set free. And Paul's like, why are you even doing this? You know, and he specifically mentions circumcision and he says, why are you even being circumcised? That's no longer the sign of the covenant. You might as well go the whole way and emasculate yourself if you're going to do that because it just means nothing. You can tell if you've gone back to that old way of life, if you start living like you've got some sort of, you know, like debt and barrier between you and God. Once you are saved in the past, God calls you son and daughter. Not addict, not angry person. Not sinner. Do you know in the, in the Gospels and in um, the Epistles, not one time are the people of God addressed as sinners post-salvation. What are they called? Saints. Those who've been made right. This is a big deal for me because I think... One of the hardest things to untangle in our Christian life is that feeling of guilt that we put upon ourselves that God doesn't see any longer. If you feel like you're guilty before God for the sins that you committed before your salvation, you're not living as you should. You are free from that. Does anyone kind of resonate? Like, isn't it easy to go back to being a slug sometimes? Go back to the old creation. 
where we're kind of lowly and broken, man, we are set free from that. You have been 100% justified and set free before God. 100%. Secondly, you are being saved, which is the present tense of salvation. So you've been fully saved, being reconciled to God. This salvation is about becoming more like Christ. Technical term is sanctification, right? This is where you work out the garbage in your own life, isn't it? This is where, like, okay, you've been set free. God no longer has a debt against you. But then you, like, still find yourself kind of welling up. You know, someone cuts you off in traffic and you still yell out at them. You know, um, you, know you, you go to the shops and the girls, you know, or the waitress is sassy at you and you, you want to say something to them, you know, and you remember all the, you know, the arguments and the family battles and, you know, you're still, you're saved, but you're by far perfect, right? Do we have anyone in the room who's saved but by far perfect? Hey, we can set up a confessional booth later and hear some gossip. Like, we're all there. Right, but this is this is not where we deal with our sin nature in this part of salvation. Where's our sin nature at the moment? On the cross. Our sin nature is dead. It's the slug. This isn't where we deal with our sin nature. This is where we deal with our sin habit. So you're no longer a sinner by designation. You are a saint who sometimes sins. That's a huge difference. It's a different nature. Right? It's someone who messes up, who's already in the right standing with God. Now, why does this matter? Okay. My son over there. He is my son no matter what he does. Okay? He was born into our family. His birth is unfortunately that his last name is Quack. <laughs> right? That's his name now. He is in our family and there's nothing he or I can do to change that. His behaviour doesn't change his position in the family. It changes his relationship between he and I. How he behaves affects how I relate to him and how he relates to me. In this process of salvation, how you behave, how you act, how you live doesn't affect your position in the family, you're a son or daughter of God, but it does affect your relationship with God, whether or not you have intimacy with him or not. Does that make sense? Sanctification is about becoming more like Christ so we can be in, his, in, in relationship with him. It's about the old life actually losing its grip, that you don't just act peaceful, you are peaceful. And that you don't just show love, you are loving. So does it make sense that like your nature changes and then your outworking of that starts lining up with the position you have in Christ? It's the second part. Of, we're going to work this stuff out. You know, if you're not growing in deeper intimacy with God, you may not have worked out this part of salvation yet. You know, if God's not cleaning you up, and this isn't about being holier than now, it's actually about becoming holy. Not because of you, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's important, right? Hey, it's important. We've got to work this stuff out. And we've got to work out the will be saved stuff. You know, we've got to work out that in the future, we will be completely recipients of salvation. 
You know, it doesn't matter what exactly your perspective of the end of days is. Okay? It doesn't matter how it happens as much as it matters that it happens. Does that make sense? Let your understanding of God's glory in the future, it's called glorification, underpin how you live today. You've got to let the future, whatever Christ is going to do in the future, you've got to let that motivate you to live for the now. You know, you, you, are, you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved completely. We've been talking about heaven a lot in our family lately because, frankly, we've been to a lot of funerals and had a lot of friends pass away just in the last month. And the topic of, you know, Jesus' you know, reign and rule being reestablished is the one thing that can get you through Every single day that one day he's going to come back and he's going to establish you in his kingdom forever. You're not doomed just to exist. You have been saved. You are being saved. And praise God, one day you will be called into his presence for eternity. I've got to ask you, hey, have you worked out your salvation with fear and trembling like that passage says. Can you go back to the passage, please, Sam? Just the, the slide before. Have you worked this stuff out? Have you sat in it? Have you made peace with God on this stuff? Continue to work it out. It's not something that just happens once. It's an outworking. It's a lifestyle. It's an outworking of who God has made you to be. I feel like there are so many Christians in the Western church who are under this yoke of like heaviness. When it comes to approaching God. That. That he's a taskmaster. That he's. Like. Hard. And stone cold. Or it's just that's not the father I see in God through the lens of Jesus Christ. What does God say to Jesus at his baptism? This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Those words, could you imagine, you know, as a, if you've, well, everyone's had a father, whether they're in their life or not, but imagine your father saying those words over you. This is my beloved son or daughter with whom I'm well pleased. That's what it's like to live in the power of Salvation, that you have been set free. Just did communion earlier. And I just have to reiterate this, that when Jesus was on the cross, everything you've done, past, present and future, died with him. Your horrible deeds, your good deeds, died with him. It's no longer about that. It's no longer about what you do. It's about what 
he did. Don't live like it's about what you do. Live like it's about what he did. You didn't do a thing to earn this salvation. All you've got to do is put faith in Christ and it's worked out. For some of you, you've been walking in this for a long time. Isn't it refreshing just to hear about the goodness of God again? The gospel of Jesus Christ? Have been saved, are being saved, and eventually will receive eternal salvation. Lord, we want to pray this morning that you help the revelation of this rest on us. Lord, we want to pray that you let your Holy Spirit change us from the inside out. Lord, we want to pray that every person in this room can walk in the freedom of salvation. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the redemption we have in you. 